You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Welcome back to Practically Pastoring. My name is Frank, and I'm glad that you are here. Hey, I'm here with um, most of my friends. Uh, my, my buddy Jeff in Baltimore, Maryland, is is out on vacation, and when you're on vacation, you don't have to do this podcast, but everyone else is here down in Sumter, South Carolina. We got Dumb R. Pete. Hello. Uh, down, both down in Florida, we got Timothy Miller. Hello, friends and family. And the illustrious, the handsome, the stunning Andrew Larson. You guys are too kind. I mean, hey. you're right. It's still too kind. <laughs> How's everyone doing? How was your weekend? Guys, I I had I know you all had wild weekends because ministry is always wild, but I'm just telling you, I had a wild weekend. We had our missions conference on Saturday. We had a mission Sunday on Sunday, which was phenomenal having all of our missionaries in the same room. Super weird for me, but awesome for our people. Uh, what wasn't so awesome is one of our older missionaries uh, collapsed after service and another one of our missionaries, who's a medical missionary to South Sudan, sprung into action, administered CPR on this guy, and brought him back to life before the ambulance got there. He's he's healing, he's recovering now, but it was wild. You can which you of can, the two missionaries got more uh, more donations from your church after that? The guy that almost died because he was at your church, or the medical missionary that literally brought somebody else back to life? We'll find out soon. I mean, you can literally say now that at your at Lakeview Church, it's a church that sees people come from death to life. That's that's <laughs> the new calling card. <laughs> you have to. It's so good. What about you guys, Dell Andrew? Well, last night, um, Alistra Baptist Church officially did the vote to take the loan to build our church. Well, so, I, yes, I saw, I saw that, Dell. It's a question. Up till now, what was the status of your church? Like, was it just like, we'll see what happens? You can stay in the bowling alley? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> or was it, no. It was a roller rink? It was no, a roller actually, rink. Right. Uh, just about a year ago, we started conversations with the architect. So um, we got an architect who builds churches. And then about, man, I don't know, probably six or eight months ago, we started interviewing builders um, because we're doing what's called an at-risk bill, which is really good, which means they assume the risk if we don't build, so we don't have to pay, which, you know. Um, so we've got the architect and the builders. All the money's been priced out. They've given us a, it will not go further than this price. They've locked in the price, which is very important right now in this situation we're at, because our building almost, it went up by like 70% in a year. That's insane. Uh, so what we did last night was vote. So to this morning, we signed the paperwork to lock in the price and hopefully dirt starts getting moved in November. So they said 12 to 18 months. Um, now, so we'll see. Yeah, man. As, as a campus pastor, what is your involved? Like how involved are you in that? Like, were you involved in the interviews? Were you involved in the budgeting or are you just kind of like the face and in like a smiley face and everyone else behind you does all the hard work. Yeah. I'm just the label. They stick on the milk carton. No, <laughs> um, no, for this, I was actually really fortunate. My pastor has a lot of experience with this and he brought me into a good bit of it, um, which I really appreciate him doing that to kind of teach me. Cause I mean, how many of you, I don't know about all these different types of loans and mortgages and, 
you know, building opportunities. So I was able to sit in on the, um, the building teams. Uh, I was able to sit in on the architect, um, kind of coming out. Actually, I, I gave the design for it. I was really grateful. They let me cast the vision for how it looked. That meant a lot to me because see for our side of town, we're real country, right? We don't make a, a bone about it. Um, so I really just thought, you know, what, what kind of church would someone in our town go to? Cause you know, churches come in a bunch of different looks. And I realized every single person who's come to our church and stayed would either eat at a Cracker Barrel or shop at a Bass Pro. So I told the architects, take a Bass Pro shop and a Cracker Barrel restaurant, smash them together and make a church out of it. And that's what they did. So you're telling me that there's a big like building wide patio with a bunch of rocking chairs as well a, as yes. an aquarium in the kids ministry. There is a wraparound patio with rocking chairs. Um, <laughs> there, I'm not even kidding, man. The front's glass. It's got the shootout. Dude, um, the one thing with the price for now, we had to nix just the wraparound awning, but the patio is still there. The awning will be there. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's totally specked out. Like if you saw it from the road, it, I mean, if I was new to the community, I would super check this place out just because I feel like I can go there with my big truck, with my bass um, boat behind it. And after church, I can go fishing. And, you know, I mean, so it's it's really cool. I felt like our church allowed the community to get exegeted to build it instead of just saying, you will worship in this thing. So, man, it's been really cool to be a part of it. And, you know, when we went into the vote last night, I mean, there's obvious concern. And I was, you know, I didn't know if it was going to pass. Um, but you know, we were at the place where like, Hey, listen, God's been in this, like during COVID, uh, last few weeks we were back, you know, as far as numbers are concerned, I feel like God's in it. And if he doesn't want it to get built, then I actually was at a place where I had peace with it, you know? Um, and I think it was like when you hold it up with your palms open and say, God, if you want to take it, take it. I think that's sometimes when he's like, okay, now that you, now that you're mature enough to handle it, here you go. <laughs> so, um, so man, yeah, dude, it's really exciting. Andrew, what's going on with you? Well, I didn't uh, have anybody die at church, and I didn't uh, get a new building approved, but it was very exciting yesterday. I was showing a new visitor uh, who, like, back to where our kids' area was, and I was, you know, having a conversation, and we we had our Main Street in Safety Harbor shut off yesterday because that happens a lot around here. There's different festivals and things that happen on Sunday mornings on Main Street, which is just a block away from us. And when that happens, the police have their little dune buggy golf cart hybrid thing out there. And it came roaring through the parking lot. And I was concerned. I was like, why is this deputy going so fast through our parking lot? And it turns out he was after my mom. So that was a fun part of, of my morning yesterday. Um, someone thought she had clipped something on her way in because, you know, Main Street was shut off. So people were having to go down the side streets. She didn't. And uh, it was just really funny because I did not see my mom. I just saw the deputy flying through our parking lot. And I was like kind of angry at him because I was like, he's going to run over a kid or something. And then, no, no, he was just chasing my mom through the church parking lot um, at 950 on a Sunday morning before church. <laughs> and then my mom came in like two songs into the service. I was like, that's weird for her to be late. And uh, she said to me, cause I sat next to her when I was done preaching and I put my arm around my mom. She says, Hey, did you see the, the cops come after me this morning? I was like, wait, what? But then I had to go up and do the benediction. So I couldn't hear the story till later. It was just one of the many joys of pastoring in a small town that takes our street festivals on Sundays very seriously around here. That is 
That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's always that kind of stuff that's really exciting. Hey, um, so last week, if you listen to the podcast, we we unintentionally or maybe intentionally talked a lot about male nudity. Uh, you know, it's actually I, I referred think, to as as dudity. 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 I'm pretty. Not- I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure Andrew questioned the 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 terms of, you know, uh, how many years before you're still responsible for something. What is that called officially? Statute uh, of limitations. limitations. St- statute I of- We're good. <laughs> sure. Uh, and and there were maybe some stories I did have to edit out because I just was worried and concerned about the, everyone's elders here. But um, but with that being said, uh, one 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 thing I asked. Was if by chance, if you there was a woman that was listening to beyond the first few minutes of the show and and didn't cut out uh, before you know all the weird stories got really really weird um, to please call in and someone did guys uh, our friend Abby Berg called in and I want us to listen to her um, her her camp story and telling us about what what she thought of our podcast and things like that it's pretty awesome check this out. Hey guys, this is Abby, female pastor who hung through all of those male nudity camp stories that you guys shared on the latest episode. Um, you missed a real opportunity there, though, to talk about all of the gross, disgusting memory-making things that we have kids do at camp. Like, there was a summer that we had to play tug-of-war over this inflatable pool that had been filled with all of the leftover food from the week and then topped off with a whole bunch of water, creating just, like, this disgusting sludge of lasagna and lettuce and grilled cheese and stuff or the summer that we had to bob for snickers bars floating in lemonade in a toilet that we were assured was new but who actually knows it's not nudity but it's pretty great memories too guys abby that was great uh i you know it it made me think about when i was in my youth ministry days uh a long a long time ago i vowed to not do gross food games mostly because i think it's such a waste and uh i I didn't like the idea of using church funds to buy food that would ultimately just be a gag when there's like literally students in my youth group who are like um, struggling to get a, you know, a balanced meal every single day. So uh, it that, you know, that story of playing tug of war over old food reminds me of a lot of stuff from my youth group days as well when I was in the youth group. Um, also, there there was this weird like fascination uh, I remember in my youth group back in the day with like slime, but like before slime became popular, like with like the, the you know how kids make slime with all, you know whatever now, but like back in the day, like there was like this type of substance that you could buy that was like pre made slime that you could easily wash off that people would put in their like you know the church yards because if you just spray it down, it'll all wash away fine. And I remember it was just something that was so. Is the word viscous right? It was so slippery and like it was just crazy. And I just remember like uh, it being such a big deal at my youth pastor, like being super stoked about having it. And I was the one kid in youth group who like didn't like getting gross. So I hated when we played those games. So viscous means the internal organs in the main cavities of the body, especially those in the abdomen, i.e., the <laughs> intestines. Maybe I'm thinking of viscosity. Isn't viscosity like something about like the. I don't know. Guys, I took one English class in Bible college. We don't need to know this. So, but what are you going to say, Tim? Viscosity means the state of being thick, sticky, and semi fluid. So, yes, viscosity is the word you were looking for. That was the word. 
I'm really glad Abby called in because she's right. We we missed and kind of goofed on that window because we were in that era. I mean, my yeah. my youth group growing up was: can we get a kid to puke every week? And then once the youth pastor learned that I was the one with the weak stomach, it was: can we get Tim oh. to puke once a month? So typically, once a month, like the gag would fall <laughs> oh to me. It's so like one was a, we had to chug a two liter of a soda that we chose. Well, I was handed the Mountain Dew. What they didn't tell me was that the Mountain Dew was spiked with cayenne pepper, like a whole oh, bottle. Oh, gosh. And so I downed a two liter of Mountain Dew, and then I vomited profusely for a solid hour all throughout youth group, and they just thought it was you know, the greatest thing ever. I'm pretty sure in high school, if I could count on how many times I vomited from freshman year to senior year, I can guarantee you most of those moments were in youth group. You know the like, one that always like, did it for me? Have y'all heard of the egg game? The egg tube I, game? Mm. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Where there's a cracked a, egg. Yeah. Well, you, you have to go to Spencer's and buy the beer bong and then explain to the church secretary. No, no, no. It's cool. This, like, I had to buy this for a youth group game. You put that it's egg cool. in a flexible tube. You can get them at Lowe's. I'm less um, risque <laughs> than you, Andrew. And then. <laughs> yeah, but at Spencer's, they come with the funnel already there. Well, this one, you put, a kid puts their mouth on each end, right? That's the and game. It, the yep. egg goes in the middle. The ticket is, if you want to win, as the youth pastor, just put your tongue over the end of the tube. And when that kid goes to, like, breathe, you got him. <laughs> the fact that the strategy is funny. Whenever I played that game, I would always just – I would pull it out and point it back at them. So oh. I would lose, but they would shoot the egg all over themselves. Yeah. And I would like to say to Abby, I did tell the story about the middle school girls that won the clean cabin game by leaving the disgusting turds. Uh, I'm so, pretty sure with I mean, COVID, half of our games, you could not play oh, You couldn't Oh, you couldn't no way. play them at all. No way. Thank I, uh, you, Abby, for, for, for hanging in there and actually listening to that episode. I, I'm sure that was difficult, but you, you took one for the team. Abby, you're the first uh, 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 lady pastor who has called in. And for that, you are our favorite for the podcast right now. You are currently our favorite female pastor of all time on the Practically Pastoring podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, with that being said, if you are there, if there are other lady pastors who are listening, please call in. We want to hear from you. If you have a question, you have an opinion, you want to yell at Delmar, go ahead and leave a voicemail, and we would be glad to, to to have you on the podcast. But we also, more than that, we want some ladies to come to the Practically Pastoring Conference. Currently, we're sitting at a at at zero ladies at this conference, and uh, and. And listen, I can't guarantee that Andrew will keep his shirt on unless there's some ladies at this conference. So I we need some more uh we need some more ladies at this conference. Uh so Presently Pastor Conference, February twenty-first to the twenty-third at Lakeview Church, which is Tim's church. Um there's so many stuff. So if you go to the website right now, um we have uh already some travel information about how to get, you know. You know, we're, hotel information. We have some. We have a special deal with a a certain hotel in the area. It's not the hotel is actually really close to me and Jeff's alma mater. Um, uh, we actually have um, some of our sponsors already there. Uh, our friends at Sunday Cool, our buddy at Bright Coal, and yeah, the biggest. I mean, Crossway Publishers is oh. a sponsor. What does that mean? We'll talk about that later. And right before the podcast, we just. We, me and Tim talked about another sponsor, which I'm not quite ready to share. Oh, but, it may but, but you should know this. It, it's going to be a fun one. If you like swag and you like theme parks, this yep. could be right up your alley. 
I like both of those things. <laughs> so people are always like, Andrew, you're so swaggy. <laughs> so yeah, they say swaggy for sure. Uh, <laughs> they do. So, um, so yeah, and we also have we just updated. We put we put a schedule on there. Now the schedule's vague, but it gives you an idea of what to expect at the Practically Pastoring Conference. So, uh, if you haven't signed up, uh, please go to practicallypastoringconference.com. Get all the information you need to get. And if you're looking maybe for a promo code to make the price go down because right now it's sitting at $109 for registration. If you send me a message or DM the Partly Pastoring Conference Instagram account or something, I might be able to get you a little promo code to bring that price down just as a special uh, gift for you. But ladies, ladies, please, we want to we hear from you. In fact, I, I haven't even talked to the guys about this. I will give you an even better promo code, ladies. If, you, if, if you're a lady on this podcast – who's listening, who wants to come to the conference, I'll have an even better promo code for you than the one I'm currently giving out. So just message me or message the Pridely Pestering Instagram account. Slide on into Frank's DMs. He just asked for ladies to slide into his DMs. Ladies, slide into Frank's DMs. Hit him up. Make sure it's a private message. Turn yes. on uh, turn on ghost mode or what, whatever that mode is where the message disappears. Frank is a big fan of that. And uh, he really wants you to slide into his DMs. You heard it here. Ladies, um, if you're going to message me, please do it publicly. Just like right on my Facebook wall or something. Or if you need to message, uh, my wife is Melissa underscore Sue underscore Larson. So wow. that way she could be in on the message as well because unlike Frank, um, oh, man. I don't want to start Frank also takes rumors about uh, Snapchat as well if y'all need to. <laughs> Yeah, guys, I think the Billy Graham rule is garbage, and so please DM me privately, (laughs) and I will tell you (laughs) it's all the codes. Anyways, before I get canceled, I want everyone to come to the Practically Pastoring Conference. If your title is a pastor, we want you there, practicallypastoringconference.com. Hit me up if you need a promo code. With that being said, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into a great clergy cliff note. Mm. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. We are back, and we are going to be looking at an article over at Relevant Magazine. Um, they put out an article, Tyler Huckabee, really great dude. He put out an article that uh, I heard is becoming one of the most uh, trafficked articles for their website of all time at the moment. It's becoming one of the most popular articles of all time. And the article is titled, In 2019, Almost All of Facebook's Top Christian pages were run by foreign troll farms. Uh, as Andrew said, or was it Andrew or Tim who said this when we got on, when we talked about this, they were like, are you surprised? Are you surprised that this is this is true, that, that the top 20 biggest uh, Facebook pages on uh, Christian Facebook pages are run by Russian trolls? Are we surprised by this? And so so if you go read the article, it kind of talks about how there was an investigation by, I believe it was someone at MIT, 
who looked at the 20 biggest Christian Facebook pages that have a reach of over 75 million users a month. And of the 20, 19 of them were found to be ran by um, Russian trolls or for at least foreign trolls who who have no desire to uh, their, their job is to just kind of create memes and posts that would cause kind of dissension. And it's just something really telling the fact that they're Christian Facebook pages. There's a quote I want to read to you guys that I thought was particularly uh, convicting. It says, our platform has given the largest voice in the Christian American community to a handful of bad actors who, based on their media production practices, have never been to church, wrote the report's author, Jeff Allen, who was the senior level data scientist at Facebook. All right, guys. So my first question to you is, how does this land on you? When you hear this story from Relevant, how does this land on you? I don't think it's surprising. I mean, the if you think of the people in your life who are most likely to share the things from those pages, I'm looking at a few family members of mine in my brain right now. Love you, Grandma. And, no, no, not my grandma. Thanks. Both my grandmas are dead. Thanks for bringing that up, Tim. I was talking but, about um, mine. <laughs> they, uh, they are people who are most likely to fall for uh, some kind of, you know, we're better than you are, make me feel better about myself, so I'm going to share your meme. Uh, do you think that's where the uh, posting? Do you think that's where the Obi Wan Kenobi Jesus meme originated? I hope not. It's too good. <laughs> I'm sure these are the guys that did the Coney 2012 video as well, because man, that one got me. Oh my gosh. I remember being in the Dominican with you, Tim, in I think 2015 or 2016, and there was a guy wearing a Coney 2012 t-shirt, and it was quite the uh, topic of conversation amongst uh, several of my youths. So based on this knowledge, I mean, is it now safe to say that, that Christians are the most gullible group of humans on the planet? Like, is, that, is that what we're, we're deciphering here? This is this is, un, this is unsettling. I think at minimum, it it, it it goes to this idea that foreign bad actors, as they quote it, if they want to do the most damage in in spreading misinformation or disinformation, there seems to be a funnel into broader evangelicalism that is more susceptible to that, um, and that is very discouraging and disheartening. And uh, and I think this leads to my next question for you guys is this is like, you know, we've talked about this before. You all of us and all of us pastors, we get at the most an hour and an hour or hour to hour and a half a week with um, with our people, sometimes a little bit more, but usually around an hour, hour and a half. With that being said, they have dozens, if not like, you know, tens of hours um, on social media, which they are now being informed, indoctrinated, discipled by, now that we know of, Russian foreign foreign, foreign troll farms, right? And and so it's like, what do we do with that? Like, how do we pastor our people? Do you talk about social media and your sermons at all? How you're supposed to direct? Like, how, with this information, knowing this fact to be true, that our people are being... Um, discipled by these type of people like what do you do with this information Dell? what you got yeah well to back it up to where tim was and then run it back into your question you know gullible that yeah sure i think we're all susceptible to that but i also think that like this was a very strategic attack on a community group of people you know 
And I think if you if you look at what our country was founded on, these Judeo-Christian values, if you can undermine the very people who carry the values that the country overwhelmingly carries and, and dismantle that and make it look bad, you've really taken a strike at the core of America. Granted, I understand we have diversity and I understand there's a lot of that, but, you know, just things like, like monogamy, you know, just fundamental things, gender, you know? So when we, when we attack that group, I think that, yeah, there are a lot of us are gullible, but I also think it's like, man, this was like a five pronged attack. You know what I'm saying? Um, So I do think that that was very strategic in the larger sense of causing disruption in our country. And, and I think it worked. I think we all can say that, right? Um, Facebook has changed the way we review, but Frank, to your question, man, I think you got to address it in some way. You know, I'm not going to stand up there and print this out, but you know, I have said from the stage, listen, sharing that picture of Obi-Wan Kenobi does not get you in good favor with Jesus. You know, like I think it's, I think it's good to call people to reflect on their life on social media. Cause so many times in church, we're like, look at your life. Are you sleeping around? Are you overeating? Well, you know, look at your social media because that's, that's your life as well. You know, I think we like to think, oh, it's just this digital space that exists. But I mean, it's a part of life. And if we're going to disciple people holistically, then we really need to lean into that every now and then. Yeah, I agree. I, I touch on this from time to time when I can in the sermon. I just don't know, is the sermon the best spot to tackle this? Like, can we touch on it? Sure. So I would probably argue that this would be a, a great conversation to have with your leadership team. So for example, at Lakeview, this would be a good conversation at our next home group leader training, because these kinds of conversations happen a lot in our home group setting. So I'm wondering if we could disciple our people better in small groups while having these types of conversations about not just their social media activity, but uh, even just the fact of, gosh, how are we how are we this gullible, guys? Like is this really a thing? Even this, this article would be fun to talk about in a home group setting. It's just, you know, I don't know. I would say the age old adage, but it can't be age old because, you know, social media is not that old, but it's one of those things that if you would share, you wouldn't, you would never say that, but you would say it. And so some of these racist and xenophobic things that come out of these sites are spun in a Christian light. And there are people in our churches that would share them and they would never actually say these phrases or, or, you know, communicate these thoughts out loud, but they're willing to hit share on something from one of these pages. And that is a, that's a telltale about what's in the heart, you know, from, from the abundance of the heart, the thumb clicketh. I think that's what Jesus said about sharing things on social media. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that uh, there's, you're, you're onto something, Andrew, where, where I, people, I think compartmentalize their online life because everything is so disposable, right? Like I can share something and I won't think about it an hour from now, but like they don't realize that like how that's shaping, how people see them, how that could be hurting someone. There's so many elements to that. And so, yeah, you're right. People aren't considering the fact that they would never say that in real life or they probably wouldn't say it as harsh. And they would just say like, Hey, Facts don't care about your feelings, right? And it's like, well, this isn't even a fact. Like you're just making stuff up, right? And and that's the other thing about misinformation on social media is that what you never see is when someone shares misinformation, 
they never go back and correct it once they realize it was wrong, right? They'll say something like, yeah, they may be wrong, but this is also true. It's like, no, you you just slandered someone. You just that was a false witness to someone else like that's a big freaking deal the bible calls that demonic right like like we should actually care about this stuff and i think because our our sin and our flesh is as easy as one click we can compartmentalize that and think it's not that big of a deal Mm. i think this is like a huge discipleship issue and 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 i think tim i like what you said like maybe this looks like a small group study or maybe a study but like a conversation or um uh, you know, something deeper because, you know, my senior pastor, my church, he's not on social media and I often make fun of him for it because it's like, he doesn't know anything about like the current, you know, like he didn't, he didn't really keep up with the Mars Hill stuff, the rise of all Mars Hill. And so I'm kind of like informing him of what's happening. And he has such like a distant perspective of it. I've talked to him about just other kind of different trends that are happening, but the, at the same time, like I've seen that, uh, the, the the documentary on Netflix about social media. I've seen, you know, we're, I've been watching the stuff with the Facebook thing. Like, he might be the smartest man in the room by not having social media. Uh, he might not get a joke for another two or three weeks, but how how healthy is his mental health probably by not being on social media? But how 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 good is his mental health by not being disappointed at some of his congregants by not being on social media? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I'm not. I, I'm not like a, a an abstinence advocator when it comes to social media, but there definitely needs to be something where we need to be a bit more thoughtful with the way we engage it. Obviously. Well, and I, Frank, I mean, while you're saying it, it's just jarring me. Like, isn't that just media in general? Like, like social. I think social snuck up on us quicker, or stuck up on me quicker because it's in my pocket. But like articles that we read, just literally any news that you listen to. And then I realized that, you know, most, what, what percentage would you say? 98% of all, all media conglomerates are not ran by people who share the same worldview as a, as a follower of Christ. So like the things that they're trying to put in front of you, aren't the things that you should be trying to put in front of you. They're trying to elicit emotions in you. Um, so they can get more clicks and money. I think, I think the only, I do agree with you that at the end of the day, like all media is like that, right? Like, you know, the reason why I discourage students from watching 13 Reasons Why mm. is because not it's not just a TV show. It's a TV show with a very, very dark worldview, right? Some people shouldn't be watching Squid Games. It'll, like, really mess up your mental health, right? But I think the difference between just general media like TVs and movies and music and social media is that there's a creation aspect of it where it it's also a representation of who you are, whether you actually believe it's a representation of who you are, right? That's and so fair. therefore you're you're also propagating, creating, and spreading this the, the medium. So yeah, the news is really bad. And that's a true statement, regardless of of anything or whatever. But like the moment you start sharing the news and you start giving your opinion. And if that opinion is clouded with misinformation or slander or whatever, that's when there's nothing sinful about Netflix existing. What's sinful is me sharing and encouraging you to to believe the propaganda that Netflix might be promoting. Does that make sense? Is, is that a better way to explain what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I wonder why sometimes even us as pastors feel – maybe we, we've talked about this before, but this pressure, this need where we have to have an opinion on everything. Mm. And it's is that is that healthy? And then it comes back to what not you were only just do we have to have an opinion, 
but we have to be right about everything. Exactly. Like here's here is a topic that I know little about, yet here is an opinion. And by the way, my opinion is the right opinion. And if you disagree, you're disagreeing with God's anointed is the position that way too many pastors have about issues that they have no business sticking their nose into. And at some point, like, man, what you just said about having to say something like that is a real pressure today. Like, I mean, um, and unfortunately what it comes out a lot with a lot of pastors, and I say this kindly in case anyone's done it, and I'm sure I've done it, is it just comes across sometimes as virtue signaling. Like, oh, this bad thing happens. I have to say something about it. You know, like in my community, remember when that young man was shot and killed because he was running and there was the house that was vacant. Remember that whole situation? Like I saw this pastor he puts this long article, today I lace up my shoelaces, but as a white guy, when I lace up my shoelaces, I never have to worry about a cop chasing me down and killing me. And and it was like this law, and he never posts. And I'm just like, what did you just add to the, the fire? You know, like, and I understand you have opinions. We all have opinions, but what you just said, man, is so true. Like now we just feel pressured to say something, whether it's the right or the wrong thing, when sometimes the best response is to humbly just sit. You know, and then I, I did that. I, I did. And then I actually had a a, a more um, progressive Christian friend of mine Lee, came into my DMs. She Frank Gilled me. And um, she said, uh, she said, hey, your silence is violence, man. She's like, <laughs> the fact that you won't say anything, you hate these people and you're a racist. And I'm like, racist? Like, you haven't even been to my church. You don't know who my best friends are. You know, like just because I didn't say something. So it's like you say something and it's it's your virtue signaling and you don't say something, you're violent. I think we have to really seek to say what's the posture of Christ in every situation and really lean into that. Yeah, I mean, I think social media has definitely given all of us an inflated view of ourselves that we have a platform and therefore people are waiting to hear from us. But like, yeah, I mean... I I don't I don't know we've I don't know if we've ever talked about this about the enneagram and how we all feel about it but I'm an enneagram three so I'm very you know I have a, a lot of self importance in my view of myself and and I think I always joke about like you're, we, uh, we know we've noticed <laughs> and so with that being said I think one thing that I've always like like I've tried to learn is like an aspect of maturity is not giving my opinion an aspect of being a mature growing adult is like. Not having to to voice, I, I I think what I think we talked about this before in the past. Tim, was it you that said like you have a specific view of social media where like my social media is like a hundred percent family and fun? Is that like what you said once? I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Andrew and I have had many conversations about this, even back when we were you know just youth pastors. <laughs> that that, lowly, that we were lowly youth. We pastors. were going to utilize our social media platforms for that purpose for our students to kind of get a glimpse into our lives and to hopefully prayerfully what a somewhat healthy family dynamic looks like too. Yeah. I, I, I think I remember when we talked about that, I started thinking about like, what is my social media for? And I think like the two things I, I kind of want my social media to be known for is either to be super silly or like about Jesus. And, and, and that's literally it. Like I, I'm either just trying to think of what's a funny thing to post here or what is something that's like a, like literally like I'm taking I'm in hermeneutics right now in seminary and I'm just like I just tweeted something that like my professor said and and so it's like those type of two things I want to talk about now what like what Delmar said like 
if there's something that's in my city that's affecting my people, I may make a comment as a form of like discipleship or like pastoral care for my people. But I think more often than that, I'd rather lean towards doing that privately one-on-one with my people as opposed to publicly say it on broadcast because in in, in terms of actually – my fear is that I don't want to come across as virtue signaling. Anyways, I think we're kind of drifting away from this content. Guys, most of the of the uh, the Facebook pages are either run by foreign trolls and possibly Jehovah's Witnesses, which is one thing we were trying to figure out earlier, whether or not with the other the, – the one that's not run by a foreign troll. We're trying to figure out who actually runs that. But um, I don't that think be- they're Jehovah's Witnesses, just for-profit Christians. Just for-profit. Okay. That's a thing, for-profit Christians and uh, – is that just the prosperity preaching? Like, is that what it is? Just, just a uh, you know, kind of <laughs> like like a, a hobby oh, lobby for for profit Christians. <laughs> oh, got it, got it, got it. Hey, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna have a a, a quick voicemail from our friend Craig Zeller. Hey, we are back, and uh, and we have another voicemail from Craig Zeller. Uh, and, and just like Abby, if you want to leave a voicemail, if you go to our show notes, there's a place where you can click and and leave a voicemail. Or if you go to practicallypastor.com, there's a button to where you can leave a voicemail. Abby, by the way, thank you. I don't know if you use like a professional microphone, but that's like the clearest voicemail we've ever got on this podcast. It was almost like you had like. Hello, I am a youth pastor from Liverpool, New York. My name is Craig Zeller. And my question for you guys is, what are your service projects looking like uh, in this time of coming out of COVID, remasking, uh, things like that? What are ways that you guys see uh, students are serving? I have a relatively small youth group, uh, five to 10 kids. I'm just looking for ideas, uh, ways that my kids can um, do as Jesus asked us to do and serve, not to be served. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much, Craig. So I want to ask you guys this question. I'm going to broaden it a bit. Um, what does serving in your church look like right now um, since COVID, in the midst of COVID, all that kind of stuff? And then, and then as you think about that, what are some things you can also suggest to Craig that maybe you're not doing that you could say, hey, here's some stuff you could do with your youth group? I would love to hear from y'all. I think just piggybacking with other organizations, whether it's something in your community, another church, especially as a small youth group. Um, and, you know, we've been there. There's the pressure to be like, oh, well, we can't really make a huge impact until we are in certain number here. You know, if, well, if we were 10 kids or 12 kids, we could do this, that, or the other. But because we're not, we're not going to make that big of an impact. I would say look for who's doing stuff that you want to be doing in your area and let them know who you are and say, hey, can we can we jump in? Can we be a part of what you're doing? And I don't know of many organizations that are not looking for extra help right now. If there's a food bank in your area, if you say, hey, can I show up with five kids? They're going to say yes. They'll probably make them wear a mask and maybe stick a cotton swab up their nose, but they're going to say yes. If they're, you know, we have a neighborhood family center here um, that's just a few blocks away from us. And, you know, yeah, we could be like, hey, we're going to do the Safety Harbor Community Church food drive. 
or we could partner with the food drive that they've been doing because they're feeding a hundred families that live close to our church and all those families already know to go there. So if you're looking to truly serve instead of say, hey, we want to get our name out there as the church that serves or the youth group that serves, find someone who's already doing something that you would like to be a part of and just piggyback with them. Yeah, and I'd echo uh, what Andrew said because that was – that was us. We, we, you know, we were a youth group of 25 to 30 kids just a few years ago. And what we did was we, we did just that. We, Metropolitan Ministries is big down here in the Tampa Bay area. So we, we would, I would just give them a call and say, Hey, I've got, you know, 25 plus students who are looking to serve. What, what do you got? And then they would give me a list of serving opportunities that they had. And then the other side of that is uh, what, what are your needs in your congregation? Uh, we have a missions outreach team and also a street team at Lakeview. So I, I would go to the street team and say, hey, are there any needs in the community that you're serving right now? And typically it was, yes, uh, Mrs. Jones's yard needs to be raked or there's some some other small you know manual labor projects that we could use a dozen or so teenagers on. So there was there was community outreach from an organization and also community outreach into our own congregation. So those are kind of the two big ones that we would tap into. Yeah. I think first I would um, kind of begin with this statement. If you feel like it's pushing the envelope, whatever you're looking at doing, make sure that you run it past your leadership of your church. This is one of those times where you don't want to be caught on the other side of it. I'm very aware that not every state is South Carolina and, you know, you, you right here are, our mass mandates, there are some in effect, but it's not as constricted. But if you're in an area where it's a lot more like that, then I would definitely make sure that you're not going to put your church in a bad light by serving what you can. I'll tell you kind of in the height of it, um, we were doing a lot of service opportunities that did allow us to be outdoors. We went to a local ministries um, that they they build ramps and re-roof houses. And I just said, hey, can, you know, can we can we put some people on some roof and houses and some youth groups around this town got to do that for free. I mean, literally they got to build ramps and put roofs and didn't cost them anything. They got to serve. One thing we did as a church is I reached out to the local school and I said, Hey, we got a bunch of teens. They go to school, but they want to serve the school. Is there anything you need done around the school in our state? Schools are severely underfunded. So one school was like, we've been trying to get this stuff painted for about two and a half years. So we went out there one Saturday and just knocked it out. And they were like, wow. And now we have a lot of cred with that school. So if you could figure out how to serve um, in the off hours at your school, a lot of times there's needs there that that aren't met. And one thing I just kind of noticed and just listening to you two guys, it's like chances are the service opportunities are there. You just have to know who to ask. You know, so for me, if I need to find out something, um, there's a guy in our church, his name is Larry. And I just asked Larry, I'm like, hey, Larry, where can we serve? And Larry just knows people, you know, so he can, man, if I needed to serve, he can have us there next week. Um, And I'll say the last place we served, um, it was another one of those opportunities to help get in the community and semi be outdoors as our student ministry went and just told the local school, hey, what if we just did all your concessions for you for the year? Like, what, what if we just ran them for you? We'll give you the proceeds. We partner with another church. We'll give you all the proceeds. So you get a few grand out of it. And we just want to serve. And they jumped all over that. Because um, right now, people are in need. 
So they're not necessarily turning it down as much as long as you show that you're you're taking whatever precautions that your state or that entity requires for you to have. Man, these are all good. Um, uh, real quick, Tim, you mentioned Metropolitan Ministries, and I have so many memories as a high school and a middle school kid going to Metropolitan Ministries. And so it's just like it's kind of like a traditional like homeless shelter or like you know at risk place and. Uh, and I just like I just have so many fun memories about that. But uh, here's a couple of thoughts I have. Um, just, just my church kind of has a couple of ministries baked in. Like we have a food pantry in our on our campus that we inherited when we bought our property, and so that has been like the, not only the biggest way we've been serving the community, um, but like it's been the biggest way for people within our church to find places to serve. So I would say there's three layers here. I would encourage you to consider one is with a group of five kids, five students, think about how you could serve your church first. Um, I Oftentimes, that's not the sexiest option because you want to go do something, right? Like no one does domestic missions trips. Everyone wants to go hang out with a brown kid overseas, right? No, sometimes the best thing is like in your home, right? And so uh, so I would say, hey. I'd say we... for the record that Frank is Cuban and he's allowed to say that. <laughs> Tim Delmar and I are not allowed to say that. So no. if anybody listening was offended <laughs> – Cuban American Frank Gill made that yeah, comment. I did and that. if you're offended, slide into his DMs, especially <laughs> especially if you're a woman. No. That's funny. Hey, um says that I mean, I was that person. I wanted to go to Costa Rica every year and and uh I thought I thought the only way you could do missions is if you had to get a passport, you know? But um but for real, if you're if there's a way you could serve your church that would be your. That would be a big dream for your senior pastor. I know that the 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 risk is you don't want your youth group to be seen as free labor for the church, but like if you have a good relationship with your senior pastor, where you can make sure that's not abused, that's a good way to to begin serving. The second thing is, I loved. I I think it was was it Tim or Andrew? What have you guys talked about? Um, raking someone's leaves of someone in your in your in your church or whatever. I think that is underutilized. It's like if you're worried about COVID restrictions and masks and all the other stuff, if there's uh, someone who is older in your church and that need help, like send your kids there, obviously with supervision and stuff like that, but like that's a great way to serve and you're directly helping people within your own church. So that's huge too. Then I would say third um, – I should have four things. Third, I'll say like, you know, food pantries, homeless shelters, all that kind of stuff. They're great. And I want to encourage you to find them. Just be mindful to, to, I think sometimes when churches want to serve, we have a vision of what serving looks like for our church. And when you're serving an organization, be willing to say, we just want to do whatever you need. So it's on your time, on your schedule, how you want us to move. Don't have a vision of like, if I'm doing a food pantry, I want to physically be putting, hot soup in a person's bowl and hand it to them. It may look like going in a person, a food pantry shelf and making sure all the dates are right. And that's not as sexy as actually handing out food, but it's like just as meaningful. So just be flexible on that. But here's one idea that I, if I could do this right now, I think it'd be a cool idea. There's a, there's a, there's a, uh, a hiring shortage across the country and it's really, really impacting small businesses. And kind of like what Delmar said of like helping the school, like that's a great one. Like find a local school that needs help because they're probably struggling with some projects. But like think about like the local mom and pop restaurant or shop or whatever that's kind of like struggling. And like what could you do to help serve them? Like 
Can you go to those? Like, can you spend a week, a, uh, uh, an afternoon on a Saturday going to a bunch of local businesses and say, Hey, we want to wash your windows for free just to serve you or like pick up trash in your downtown area. Like, how can you serve your community, especially with small business owners, which are kind of like stuck in the in between where it's like, they're a business owner, so you just assume that they're like fine, but they're really, really struggling right now, and they don't—they're not necessarily going to ask for help. I'm not asking. I'm not suggesting to have your kids like, you know, put on an apron and start, you know, waiting tables. But you know, wa- going to a, a, a local restaurant and washing their windows or something like that—I I don't know. I think there's a—I I think knowing the local businesses in your area and seeing what's in need are need, need there could be a big impact for your community. So, those are my thoughts on that so I, I this was really helpful i think there's a lot of good ideas hopefully you got some ideas if you have some suggestions of ways that you've been serving in this time i would love for you to go to the facebook group practically pastoring facebook group and write how you're serving i would love to see all the ways people are serving their community at their church in this time and we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we will wrap up the show Hey, so it has been a great show. Uh, uh, all the links are in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much to Abby and Craig for giving us a quick voicemail. Again, go to the show notes if you want to leave us a voicemail. Again, practicallypastoringconference.com, February 21st to the 23rd. It's going to be amazing. All of us are going to be here. Jeff is going to be there. We have friends from all over the country that's going to be there. And uh, and if you want to sign up and you want to promo code so you can save some money, absolutely hit me up in the DMs. I got you. With that being said, I'm Frank Gill. I'm Delmar Pete. <laughs> I'm Andrew Larson. And I'm Timothy Miller. And this is Practically Pastoring. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group where we get to share ideas and make each other better.